Hey y'all, it's your girl Naisha Stone, and you're listening to the Carved in Stone podcast, where our positive news articles come to life. Now let's get into the episode. Hey y'all, welcome back to Carved in Stone podcast. Um, we're getting right into the episode. Just a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about the National Association of Black Journalists. So it only makes sense to bring on the president. So let me inter- introduce this week's guest, President Ken Lemon. How are you doing today? I'm well. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you on. Good. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So I just right. I want to get right into the episode. Um, one of my first questions is, can you tell the people what the organization is and honestly the impact that you want to have with it now that you're president? Yeah, it is the largest trade organization uh, for journalists of color uh, in the country. It is an organization founded on promoting diversity within the newsrooms and working to make sure that that diversity is reflected in the coverage that you see on television and print, on airwaves. Uh, and also represented in those individuals who work to put out the information that we need in order to do to live better and live stronger. Uh, we want to make sure that Black stories are not missed, that Black stories are not covered over, that Black stories don't only happen when something bad happens in the neighborhood, that we're highlighted for the effort and the work that we do in the community and reflected uh, in those newsmakers and decision makers. I love that. So you're president now. Uh, what made you even want to be the, be in this position? And now that you're in it, what impact have you been doing or that you want to do as you continue in this role? Yeah. So, uh, you know what? When I first started, it was just about being engaged. So I was uh, when I was in college, I was president of the NAACP and then I had an interest in journalism. And and then I learned about this organization that allows me to give that civic responsibility, something connected to this life purpose that I love. And that was with NABJ. And it's wonderful. It's been a phenomenal marriage ever since. I first started out locally in the Charlotte area. We reformed our Charlotte Area Association of Black Journalists here. And I worked through there, became president. And at the end of my two two terms, I was like, ah, man, I worked so hard. I am done. And um, when I handed the keys over to the next president, I was like, I'm not done. I want to do more. I think there's still more that we can do. And so that led me into other directions and some more things that eventually led me to this spot. Uh, one of the things that I want to do that I think will be instrumental, not only for what we are, and who we are right now, but well into the future is that I want to build a pathway, not only for our students to come into class and just see people with on air and bylines, but I want them to see people who are general managers and publishers and people who are corporate individuals and working. I want them to begin to think about that now and then for us to begin to also construct a support system that'll lead you from that point up until the point that you land in that big chair. Um, and so that includes, and one of the things that I really want to be able to do is that includes finding ways that we can meet students on campus and enlighten and inform them. Because a lot of people don't know those first three years, a lot of a lot of leaders are identified in those first three years and and pushed into tracks and told, I think you ought to be this. I think you're going to be great at that. 
And if you walk in the door knowing and understanding a lot about the business and why we do these stories here and why we set this here and why we focus on this one area and a purpose and a calling, not only for the station, but also for the, 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 the internal workings of that beat, that's, but also for the corporation, um, folks notice that. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing that can get you put on track. And so we're building that pathway. We're starting at the top by we have this system now, a leadership academy that's designed to produce the next uh, level, the next group of general managers and publishers and 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 operations leaders, those 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 uh, headquarter leaders. And so we're now working on pulling that together to mid-level management and for mid-level management it is a, that support team on the ground when you first come in and connecting them to our emerging journalist organization so that they have that tie they have that back and they have that support so that's going to be something that outlived me and then one of the things that we're doing is our diversity audit uh, our diversity audit is something that we do whenever people get we get complaints and people say I'm not being treated fairly here because of my color I'm not being treated fairly there as we begin to group those together and we look for those trends that exist within corporations and companies and so that we can address those things on a holistic view because sometimes what happens is those things get implemented in the culture of what you do in the culture of that corporation and instead of plugging holes here and there being more um being more intentional about how we go after addressing those issues on a bigger level i love that one of the points that stuck out to me was saying uh, when students go to school they put you in certain tracks but i would like for you to talk about like how many different roles there are within media because we really only know like an anchor a reporter but there are a billion different things like there's pr there's marketing there's communications like can you talk a little bit about that how diverse the field wow. actually is I'm, I love that you know them all. Keep going. So yes, there is there is every little thing. There is not only that. There are people who work in areas where they do analytics. I was really interested in the fact that at one point, this these sports companies came to me when I was VP of broadcast and said, um, "How many people do you know who are in engineering or work in the mathematics department?" I said. Those generally don't jive very well. They're looking for sports analysts. They're looking for people who are going to go in and break down the numbers and crunch the information and bring back the facts and the figures that help them do better predictions. Why is that important? Well, you know, sports gambling has just become a key, right? Uh, sports gambling has become a big thing and it's going to upset the media world. It is going to fund us for a long time, but it's also going to challenge us as well. And some of those players now who are used to saying, you know, the game is just this, that and the other now need to make sure that they break down certain information so people can come to them and take a look at who they are, what they do and use that in their sports gambling, what have you. But you know, it is every little thing. You also have that not even just the PR, you have marketing division. You have those individuals who are going out and talking to people within groups and making decisions with from those groups about how coverage is shaped and formed and how we talk to audiences in different areas and different age groups and how we prepare ourselves to do those things. So it is not just the people you see on air and the person behind the camera. It is it is also those low level writers, those other individuals. Some of those things are being eaten up by technology. That's really changing the game. But you still have a lot of folks whose job it is to make sure that the news gets to you uh, on all platforms. And those folks are just as important and will become more important as we move in the future. So um, when you start to say some of the areas, 
there's a litany of them and it is hard to put your finger on all of them but i can get i can tell you this if you have a specialty and you have an interest in media there's probably a home there that you haven't explored and if you walk into a newsroom or you ask somebody this is what i like this is what i enjoy what do you think that fits in there they can probably tell you exactly how that meshes with what what happens in in in, in making sure that information gets out to individuals I think that's some great advice. That's how I've been able to know that so many positions exist is because I meet with so many different journalists and media people. And I think we need to encourage our students to be open to that because we go to school and it's just like whatever my school teaches me and that's it. But we have to network and we have to kind of travel the world and we can do that virtually now and really see what are other positions out there because start not everybody is a good writer and that's okay but there are a lot of things to do within media um and journalism so i want to talk about your background so you mm -hmm. won three emmys you know all these awards but what is it about journalism that has gotten you into this career and kept you here so long um you know what i wish i knew um you know uh one of my one of my favorite lines and it's you know uh, when did you fall in love with hip hop and one of the movies that I love? Um, all I know is one day I got into a newsroom and it was over. That's where I wanted to be. And I and I love it and I enjoy it. And my family will tell you now, when we go out on vacations, I will put down everything. And about two or three days, days later, I got my cell phone up and I'm documenting our trip and I'm creating videos and I'm doing those things. And you know, my wife laughed at me because, you know, we're on our way on a long drive and I got the cell phone up and she thinks I'm getting maps, but I'm recording. This is just something that's part of DNA. Telling other people's stories is a part of what I love doing. Um, and I think it is integral uh, to us because at the bottom line, the root of everything we do, it is about making sure that people are informed about how their lives are impacted. And that starts and begins with them. And that's the portion that drives drives me to the industry is making sure that those voices are elevated, those people are included, um, and 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 we don't miss the opportunity to learn and grow from the world around us. I love that. I love that you talk, you brought it back to informing because I always push that push that message is that at the bottom line, that's what journalism is. It's to inform and educate. All the other stuff comes second, but like that's literally that's 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 the foundation of it. And I think once people understand that, they'll accept it more and see how some how some stories are very screwed to the left or the right but it's really all about um informing so with that being said the convention is coming up the national association of black journalists convention it's gonna be in chicago i'm in milwaukee so i'm very excited about that um for journalists that are listening to this black journalists why should they come to the convention even if they're already been in their careers for years or maybe they're trying to get a job but like what's the point of coming to this convention yeah there are a lot of points. The biggest point is the training aspect. No, I don't know of any other convention that has so many different facets of, tra uh, facets of training, areas and pockets that we look into. We have our weather and climate task force that is working on some material to make, make sure our members are informed about weather and climate and meteorologists, uh, meteorology. We have our investigative track, which has become our most uh, most uh a liked and favored track so far that helps people in investigative journalism taking those tools that they're going to be able to use and 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 apply down the line in addition to that area that area we've got sports uh we've got folks who are doing financial uh we've got several banks that are that are key into us and looking at financials not only personally but how you report in and around it advocacy journalism 
you run the gamut. There was another important factor about this that I don't think you often get a lot unless maybe you're in black colleges and university and there's a feeling of Wakanda when you're there. My yes. first, I know, I see you pointing. My <laughs> first NABJ that I went to, I was like, oh my God, I'm looking around and I see all these professional black people, 3,000, 3,500 professional black people, suited, booted, and family style. I mean, you can walk right up to Michael Wilbon and start talking to him, you know, from, you know, pardon the interruption, and he will talk to you. And he holds court every year that he comes up and speaks. He's outside and he's talking to these sports journalists one-on-one, -on -one, making sure that each of them get a little piece of his time. Um that is something that's difficult to explain because it is like a family reunion on steroids. And then you have all these companies and corporations. And one of the biggest keys that a lot of people miss is our job fair. That job fair is huge. I talked to people like DeMarco Morgan from ABC News who will tell you every job he's ever gotten comes through NABJ. And you, you can meet folks who can change your lives and improve your lives and see those opportunities and then narrow that scope. So if you're job hunting, imagine this. Imagine if you, instead of just going out and looking for a job, you have employers who come to you and say, I'm looking for a Black journalist. How much smaller now does that scope get, that pool of people that they're interested in? And they sit down with you. Um, last weekend, I went back to visit a chapter at a place where I made a critical decision in my life. When I was a young journalist, just starting out, I had uh, a resume tape. It was back then it was tapes and you sent these tapes out and I was gonna drop a tape in the mail for a station that was about two and a half hours away. It would cost me $10. And I said, you know what? Instead of doing that, I'm gonna put $10 in my gas tank and I'm gonna boss up. And I got in the car and I drove down and I went up to the receptionist and I said, I'd like to see the news director have a resume reel and a resume I wanna see, I wanna talk to them about. And I sat there one hour, two hour, three hours, news director never came. When you go to this job fair, the news directors are there. The general managers are there. The corporate big was there. Kim Godwin, who's probably the biggest person in, uh, in, in, in television news right now at ABC News, and your president is there at NABJ, not only there at NABJ, but communicating to us, get me together in a room of people who are the next up and coming so we can know who they are. That's an opportunity you won't find almost anywhere else. And then when you combine all of that into what we are and what we bring, it is phenomenal. It is fascinating. So if you've never been, come, Chicago is going to be magic. I, I talked with the chapter president there. They're working on making sure that your experience is outstanding. How, uh, what advice would you have to people who want to get a job and they're coming to this fair? What should they do to prepare? My friend, Jeff Johnson, I told Jeff, you need to you need to write a book on preparing for NABJ because his preparation is immaculate. Uh, Jeff is now a, 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 a senior producer, was a senior producer at Al Jazeera, was a, a senior producer at MSNBC, now uh, over in, in market number two, just killing it. But, but Jeff starts before the event begins. He starts by saying, okay, who's, who, who, what corporations are coming? 
And who are some of the recruiters who are going to be there and reaching out to those individuals and talking to folks and understanding not only what jobs may be available in those places and cities that I want to go in those corporations that I think I can find a home home in, but then talking to folks to be, who work there to prepare not only for the, the event, eventuality of just filling out an application or sitting down and having somebody look over their stuff, but crafting their stuff to be the answer. And when I work with me, when I work work with mentees now. I do this in part because of Jeff. I say, so where do you want to work? And let's call up those corporations. Let's call up those places. What are you doing? We're pushing heavy investigative track. Does your real, does your resume reflect that you're prepared for every, because what they want to do is when they look for these jobs, they want to find an answer. They want to, they come with the question, I need to fill this need. Are you that person? If you sit down with the general resume, you sit down with the general real, you sit down with the general portfolio, now they got to work inside to find out where you are. But if you sit down and you go, oh, oh, wait, they're doing investigative stuff. They have an interest in it. Oh, wait, here's one investigative course that you took when you got certification on. Now they're a little bit more interested in you. And if you have an opportunity to make a connection ahead of time, they know your name when you walk in the door, which makes you different. Are you just hitting key facts? Because I'd had to learn that over the years. I did go to... I went in 2017 when we was in New Orleans, and mm -hmm. that was so. Uh, hopefully, Chicago can top that because I don't know I, nobody could top New Orleans because that was. New <laughs> Orleans has always been a favorite city. Yeah. Yes, I love it. Um, going back to you know the students, where well, actually, not even the students, but how would you say where would you say the current state of journalism is, and are you satisfied with it? Or are you not satisfied with it? Um, and be as honest as you as you want to be. Yeah, you know what. It's, it's, it is it is a question mark, and that's a good thing, and it's a bad thing. The, the bad thing is this, and I think this is the obvious. The question mark is, how do we sell this thing? Like, for years and years and years, newspapers knew how to sell newspapers, and then all of a sudden, newspapers made big money in classifies, and Craigslist came along, and classifies went away. They made money off obituaries, and then that went away. Then suddenly, the resources to hire more people slowly dwindled and shrunk. Television used to be the thing to watch. If you wanted to know news, you had to come to TV. Now people read Twitter and social media and they believe they know enough and they don't consume enough a lot. And so revenue is down because people don't turn to these things the way they used to because of new technologies, new inventions that are reshaping the game. But those new technologies and those new inventions that are reshaping the game now make it easy for new young journalists to enter the game. No more do you need this, you know, this, this massive dish outside to broadcast if you think you can produce content. You can produce content on your cell phone, upload it to a site off your cell phone right there. Cell phone is almost already paid for anyhow because almost nobody in this world walks away, walks around without a cell phone. It is the cost of downloading and editing software just to do whatever it is that you want to do and then post and put it up. That is powerful. That is strong. And somebody coming out of this new generation is going to change the game, is going to be that one person that says, oh, this is the way we should be doing it. Um, this happens often with not often, often with media, but we see this happen from time to time as new media come in. Print was forever. This 
holding the, the line on what all media looked like, radio stepped in. Radio shifted everything for us, and now we get to hear. And there's another texture, another layer. Television steps in, and now you get to see it. And then advancement in television allows you to see it in color. And then things of that sort begin to move. And now social media, we're seeing the early impacts of it, and we haven't yet seen what AI is going to do to it. And I talked with some media with some media experts last week about AI and the impact of AI and some people dabbling into it. And I, one of the experts really said, you know, how do you feel about what's coming next? And they said, I think it's promising, but it's scary. So understanding exactly what it is, we don't know. But you always start with a desire and a passion, a direction of where you want to go, and the understanding that the technology is going to make it easier for you to start that journey right there. And that's where the positive is, no matter where we think this thing is going to end up in 10, 15, 20 years. You heard them, the positive. You know, you listen to Carver's Down. Yes. Um, let's talk about the financial aspect of journalism. Because yep. uh, it was really built off of advertisements. And like you said, that's kind of not a way people are making money anymore. Um, do you see a way of us making more money or how do we convince or what do we need to do to really start funding this industry again? Like, What steps can we take? You know what? I did see and I did speak with some people who are doing uh, more nonprofit and exercising and finding that sweet spot in the what we used to call the print, but now it's really digital. It is written word that people will consume on, a, on another platform that is not printed out. Uh, that's one way that seems to do well, particularly for people of color, talking with one of the people who founded a group called Documented, whose job it is to go out there and make sure that people, uh, to empower people to go out and tell the stories in areas where there's news deserts to make sure we inform and they're literally taking folks out and showing them how to record city council meetings and county commissioner meetings and those meetings where we used to have coverage, right? There used to be several small uh, market television stations and newspapers that are now dwindling as you know we, we look at what sales is doing. Um, the next game is not quite there yet because a lot of us are still operating on and looking at those profit margins. I, I talked to one guy in print, one person in print and advertising, and, and he says to me about the 10 years ago, he says, the problem is right now is that we have people who are used to having their ads in print and they don't realize we're printing less. And when they're, when those owners, children and grandchildren take over, they will value digital. Well, some of those children and grandchildren are not only taking over, but starting their own business, and we're still having some of the same issues. So the shakeup and when what those profit margins look like, um, I don't know. But this is what I do know. People will never grow tired of be, being informed about the world, and they'll value and they'll trust when you walk through those journalistic steps, those ethics that keep you grounded and finding and always searching for the truth behind your story. Um, those things still live on and they're popping up in different areas. So you see some in YouTube here and there, you see some in podcasts, which happens to be growing. And the largest, um, a year or so ago, I talked with someone and they said the largest audience, uh, grow, uh, growth audience in podcasting are black people. Uh, and so, you know, there'll be pockets in there where you find a sweet spot, um, but we're waiting for the game changer to come. And You're the question to her. Is, is that you? 
Yeah. <laughs> but um, can you talk about journalistic ethics and the foundation of it? I feel like we say it all the time because we know what it is, but I don't think people understand like what it is. So can you say like what we know as journalists and what we consider <laughs> to be a journalist or a media professional? <laughs> And, and and I don't want to look down at people. Look, I will tell you the Michael Brown story happened because people who were not journalists, they're just folks who were out on the scene, saw him out on the street way too long, had questions, picked up their phones, went live on Facebook, popped up on Twitter, uh, what was Twitter at that time, and pushed it out there. But those journalistic ethics are uh, those ethics that allow you to ask the next question from a, a, from a point of view that allows you to get to the truth. Now I'll say that from a point of view that allows you to get the truth because some of some of journalism has changed. What I am is I'm a journalist who, who walks into it and says, I don't take a side. I don't take a position. I cover and pull as many facts as I can. I verify each of those things for you to make sure it's true and correct and present it. Case in point, we had a situation today of an individual who was shot and killed by police. I'm covering the story. I find some information out from folks. People are posting things on social media, which they can. There's nothing wrong with that. That's incorrect. They're saying things that are incorrect. They don't know what they don't know. But in this case, when you come to me, you know that I'm going to verify that stuff. And we still have people who come in and say, it's true. Why is it true? Well, so-and-so was saying it on social media. That doesn't make it true. That may make it the beginning point for you to jump in and begin to ask those questions. But the bottom line is what we're doing in on all social media is searching for, pulling together, looking at those facts that are going to help, help you become more informed. And I think we now see how important all of those things are, because in the last few months, we've seen uh, people who are allegedly dead, Jamie Foxx, who was on his deathbed, right? Who wasn't dying. Um, and, and so you see opportunities for us to say to folks, this is why what I do here is important for you to come and consume, because you know that when you get here, I'm going to run through the rigors before I put it out there. Not saying I'm going to be right 100% of the time, because there are, are times when every system is fallible to a point. But what it does mean is that it's not going to be I'm just picking up something and running with it because somebody said it or because it I found it here. Yeah. We talk about the overall, like what NABJ is, but we have local chapters all around the country. So we got one here in Milwaukee. We got Chicago. Yeah. Um, what do you hope to see out of these chapters? Um, and you know, what is the importance of having individual ones um, aside from you know our national organization? The, the individual ones serve a huge purpose uh, within the national organization. They are the backbone of what we do, right? Because they're an opportunity to see every month for a lot of people, and more than more than once a month, an opportunity for you not only to engage. But to learn, my chapter here in Charlotte, for whom its former president, brings in key speakers, those individuals that we're all trying to get on the phone. We have the, the police chief. We have the uh, county manager. Uh, we have, you know, these historians, these folks who are holding the history, the Black history of Charlotte area, who come in and talk to us. And then they pass out their business cards and they give us an opportunity to get that background with us because they want to share their stories as well. They want us to understand what's happening behind the scenes as well. You have those things and then you also have that critical support. And what I mean by critical support is this. Um, we, we out here reporting the news, we're all human beings. I say that because uh, when there is civil unrest and there's protests on the streets, 
uh, when we're journalists, as a journalist, as opposed to a columnist, my job is to get out there and to cover that from a place of, of not taking a side or a position. But when you have something happen, like Ahmaud Arbery, when you have something happen like George Floyd, and you know how that impacts you as a Black man. And in my case, you know, my son, you know, ever since young, he's now a journalist. But when he was young, he he wasn't very interested in the media because it meant every time we went out to eat and people wanted to talk to me, I had to go over and talk to him and I explained, son, this is this person is helping us to have the Disney Channel. You like Disney Channel at home? This person has this. Um, this individual has this. But the one time he stood up and waited for me is when I went out and I recovered. I covered the unrest behind George Floyd. He was back there waiting. This is an emotional toll on a lot of us going out there and covering this. And some of the meetings for me in my local chapter that I saw were the most well attended is after that's done, having an opportunity just saying, we don't have any subject. Everybody who's covered, come in, sit down and talk. And the weight that people unburden themselves with in those situations is tremendous, is huge. That's something that happens on a local level with touch, feel, and sensory, being in the room with someone else to hear those stories and to feel those feelings. That's a level of support that you can't duplicate on a national level in that same way. I can bring you to the convention and we can help get that interpersonal connection, but I can't have always have that direct interpersonal connection in that immediate way when you need it. Uh, in addition to that, we support students. We most all of us have some sort of scholarship fund that we're giving away to further the college careers of individuals who are going to be the next line of storytellers for us. Uh, we are out in the community. One of the things that I love about my local chapter here is that we have this once one one day a month where we go out and we make these meals for people who are homeless, bag them up, put positive messages out there, go out there and hit the street and hand them out there directly to people. Um, that is fulfilling, but that's also doing something to help change your community and, and make your community better and stronger. So these are the things that you get when you're a part of a local chapter. These are the things that you get when you have that opportunity to engage with other journalists in a way that these local chapters bring, as well as the advocacy. When something goes wrong, those local chapter leaders are often some of the first people to hear about it and have the first opportunity to respond to it. Uh, when they realize that people aren't being treated fairly or they aren't being treated right, they're the folks who can stand up fastest. They're the folks who are right around the corner and just a, just a quick hit out. I'm glad you brought up that like you kind of you have a community where you guys can depress because we don't get to talk about those things on a in the regular newsroom. Like y'all don't understand why I have to go back to work after just seeing his dead body on TV and that looked just like my cousin. And now I got to go into work and I'm supposed to just be okay with this. So I think that's very important to have that community, which is why NABJ is so freaking <laughs> important. Uh, we got a few more minutes left. One being, what makes a good journalist? I've been asking that usually to the media people that have been coming on, but like, what, in your opinion, what makes a good journalist? First thing is curiosity, right? Um, curious people ask those questions. Why is this this way? Um, oftentimes, if you don't notice the changes, if you don't notice problems that are off, if you don't notice the little things, then stuff passes you by. But those those folks who stop and ask those questions, and I often find that, that the difference between good stories and great stories 
it doesn't just depend on the questions. It depends on maybe that last question. My last question to everybody, is there anything you want to add that I have not asked? And sometimes the answer to that makes you go, oh, I'm doing the wrong story. I got five or 10 more questions for you now. I need to ask you this. But it's that, that level of curiosity that makes you go, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm seeing this, but I'm able to find that extra nugget because I'm curious, or I'm able to work on that story because I'm curious. And that curios curiosity is always a driver. That's the thing that keeps you in the game. That's the thing that keeps you wanting and, and longing to be out there because there are some nights where uh, those good journalists, those really good journalists are not just doing nine to fives. They're there a little bit later than normal. They're asking a little bit more questions. They're taking phone calls at, at an ungodly hour. My wife has gotten used to that now. You know, the phone rings, you know, at, at, at 1030 at night, at one o'clock in the morning, you know, you going to work and somebody got a tip. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, I'm at a basketball field and basketball game with, with with my son and I get a phone call and he's like, yeah, it's work. It doesn't work. We got the two phones. One is personal, one's work. And he's like, yeah, that's, that's a work call. Um, but it's that curiosity that keeps you answering the phones and keep you available and out there to those people who have questions themselves. News never sleeps, y'all. Just so y'all know, news never sleeps. Just, I want y'all to really, really, truly understand, uh, man. But luckily, I you know I cover positive news, so like, I don't always gotta. I ain't gotta be answering the calls. Like yeah, this could wait till tomorrow. But when it's the real, like and real important ones, y'all gotta answer. Um, yeah. but to wrap things up, how I how I end all my interviews. When people listen to this interview, what do you want them to get from it? Uh, well, I hope that they get an understanding about what the industry is, and I hope that they see themselves there. Um, I think all of us are journalists in, in every way, in some way, shape, or form. All of us play an important role in documenting our world. And I want to encourage people to share it. One of my friends, I had a phone call with him on my way over him. him he and I have been tight really the last three years. We've really gotten tighter working on projects with NABJ, and he revealed that he deals with depression. I never knew that. Um, and so I got a phone call. I, I, I gave him a phone call on the way home and I said, man, I, I, your, your courage to step out and tell this story, it means so much. It is important. Um, but it, it shares something else that people in the world can learn from because a lot of Black men we don't talk about our depression, right? We go up in the barbershop, we talk to big talk and da, 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 and we placate and we hide behind the game coming up this week. And we don't talk about the things that are really dragging our health and our mental health down. And he did this. Now, he didn't do this on a huge platform. He did this on Facebook. He didn't do this on a newspaper. He didn't do this on a television or radio station. He didn't do it in a podcast. He didn't share it out there in any other form but that's still a way to connect with people and share a story. And that's what you can do. Even if you aren't a journalist, if you aren't well-practiced, you can still share the stories of your lives and how other people impact you and how they brush against each other, because that's what builds us as people. And that's what builds us as community. Ken Lemon, y'all, president of NAVJ. Thank you for uh, stopping by. Um, this is the Carmen Stone Podcast. Make sure y'all visit us every Tuesday as I inter interview someone from around the world doing positive things in their life. And remember, in the end, everything will be carved in stone. In the end, everything will be carved in stone.